This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. The cultural piece of our program is, is one third of the work that we do, the, the learning, the museum, the um, history part, um, but there's also this personal professional development. There's this college and career um, readiness pieces as well, and all of that combines to really you know, balance our program. Hi, I'm Anita Walker, Executive Director of the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guests today are from the New Bedford Whaling Museum, and joining us are Sarah Rose, who is Vice President of Education and Programs, and Christina Turner, Director of Apprentices and Interns, and welcome to our program. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Good morning. You have quite a bit of experience working with young people throughout the community, bringing them into the museum, not just to take a tour and to learn from the exhibitions, but to kind of run the place. Tell us about your program. <laughs> well, the apprenticeship program um, really seeks to provide resources and uh, supports and experiences for high school students in the city of New Bedford, um, specifically that deepen community engagement, promote personal professional development, as well as cultivate college and career readiness. Um, and we do this in a number of different ways. Um, specifically, we work with first-year students who started um, the summer after their ninth grade year in high school and we continue with those students all the way until they're seniors in high school. So give me an example of what they might be doing on any particular day at the museum. Uh, well in the summer our ninth grade students are really learning about the museum itself and the history of the city. So they are working with museum professionals, um, going through the different galleries, learning about the exhibitions, um, they are learning about the science of whales and whale biology, they are learning about you know New Bedford as as a center of the Underground Railroad um, and then they're taking all that information and then eventually with practice and um, much more practice leading tours of the space for the public their families and for other museum professionals as well so they really do get a sense of ownership of the museum which is really sort of an anchor and um, um, iconic institution in New Bedford that must mean a lot to them and their families Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things that students say, you know, after they've gone through this process of like learning about the museum is how much they feel more confident and comfortable in the space and then being able to deliver that information but also invite others in to take part in that information as well. So give us a story or two about some of the young people you've worked with and how it's changed them. Yeah, so um, at the end, beginning of the summer, I can say that most students are really, really shy, um, particularly first-year students. This is the first time many of them have been in a space like this. This is the first time that they're going to even think about speaking in public. Um, that's not for a grade. Um, and I know that, you know, particularly there's one student as, so they design their tours. They actually decide which items in the museum speak to them, and they try to stream those together in a story that speaks to them. Um, and one student this summer who was really hesitant about his tour and just <laughs> wasn't excited about doing it and he had you know objects that he felt that he got the most information on but maybe not the things that he was most drawn to um, but by the time he got to the end of the tour there was a mortar and pestle that's um, in one of the galleries the Cape Verdean gallery um, and the student is also of Cape Verdean ancestry um, and he was able to talk about this object, not only from what he had learned through this experience at the museum, but from firsthand experience of his family actually using this tool to prepare things. Um, and I remember the feedback that we got from those who were on his tour being, you know, just saying like the way that he lit up and the way that he was able to explain um, about this one particular tool, you can see where he felt his confidence, not only in the way that he was delivering the information, but in his ability to sort of interact with his, his audience as well. 
Um, and when I gave him that feedback of what the students, um, what his guests had said about him, he was so excited. Um, and that was, you know, the beginning of the summer, he was like, no, I'm not giving him the tour. But by the end of the summer, um, and that by the end of his tour, just really confident, and it was really amazing to see. How does this translate um, outside of the museum? What do you see happen when the kids go back to school, or what do you hear from their teachers and parents? Yeah, so it's interesting. There's a transition in that first year, but there's also such an amazing transition over the three years. You know, a first-year student who's nervous to give tours and to speak to the public is now the student who's volunteering um, not only to do things in school in their own communities, but also volunteering to work and support other apprentices in this process as well. Um, so they bring their families in to the museum. Um, I know a first-year student, Florendi, this year had, you know, brought her entire family so that she could give them a private tour after she had given um, a, her first first public tour in the museum um, and feels really confident about it now. Um, they're inviting their friends to be a part of the program. They want them to apply so they can have that same experience as well. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things, like the way they both speak about the program, but also their actions in sort of bringing people into the space as well. So Sarah, I want to bring you into the conversation. Sure. I might just add in that the New Bedford Public Schools, and uh, particularly Dr. Pierre Durkin, the superintendent of schools, is very um, familiar and, and invested in this program. And we work very closely with the guidance counselors there to recruit students. Christina goes and um, presents to groups of about 50 students each. And um, she has applications for the program. If students are interested, they're then invited to come and visit the museum. We put them on buses and bring them down. They have lunch and they see the apprentice lab and visit um, the galleries. And then they go through a rigorous application process that includes an interview. And um, we're able to offer six students each year, uh, freshmen uh, students at the high school, uh, an opportunity to come and work with us. Why did the museum um, decide that this was an important part of your mission? Sure, the museum uh, in 2010, the Education Committee actually, decided that it wanted to join a citywide initiative to look at high school graduation rates and to look at ways to improve them. At the time, the city's graduation rate was just a little over 50 percent. Uh, one of our trustees, a man by the name of Gurdon Waddles, really move this initiative forward. He had seen apprenticeship models in other museums and thought that it would, could work in New Bedford. Uh, the Education Committee went to the board. The board added it to part of its strategic uh, mission. It's now very much central to what the board believes the museum should do to support the community. We're pleased that 100% of our students graduate from high school. Uh, this is not always easy. We have in-house tutoring that helps us get a lot of students over the finish line. 94% of them go on to secondary uh, education, post-secondary education. And um, we're now tra tracking that as well to look at their experience as they transition from high school into college and um, how to help them be successful in that endeavor. You really, um, as a museum, feel like you have a stake in these young people. When they are accepted into this program and become apprentices, um, part of your job is to assure their success, but they also have a stake in you and the museum and a greater stake in their own community. One of the things that we like to think about when we talk about our youth reach programs, um, which is this is an exemplary example of, <laughs> yes. is that it isn't just about um, a young person knows more history or plays the violin better or paints better, but 
they really feel that they matter and can make a difference in their community. Absolutely. I think the, you know, the, the cultural piece of our program is, is one third of the work that we do, the, the learning, the museum, the um, history part, um, but there's also this personal professional development. There's this college and career um, readiness pieces as well, and all of that combines to really, you know, balance our program. We are a creative youth program, but we're also a youth development program, and I think all of our pieces really speak to that. Um, over the three years. One of the ways we support students after they leave our program is by offering uh, part-time work and summer jobs. So we had this summer about 10 students that came and, and were at the museum during the summer and some of them are continuing on this fall. It allows the students to really stay connected to the museum and the museum to stay connected to the students. It allows our front desk to really be the voice of the community because there are people from the community who know the collection really well. And what we find is because we have all of these intentional links to our students that when they have a car accident, they call us. When they're having a problem at school and need to find help for an academic subject, they call us. Um, it leaves us it allows us to be connected to the student in really unique ways. Yeah. And of course then we also have ways of reaching out to students who don't reach out to us to remind them to fill out their FAFSA or to um, apply for scholarships or just to check in and see how they're doing. Yeah. One of the uh, really core principles around our creative youth development programs is that building a deep and sustained relationship, not just a drop off, not just a one time um, you know, visit or an hour of a class or something, but it's, you really are um, creating a, a personal, deep and sustained yeah. relationship. Yeah. We have a student who's um, at the Mass College of Pharmacy and she's in her sixth year of a doctoral program there, will graduate this spring, we're very proud of her. And she currently lives with one of our trustees in Boston. Oh my gosh. The, deep, the roots are deep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd also say, you know, in addition to like, oh, they come back for help, they come back to, to share stories of success too. Um, so we have a student right now who's in school, um, full-time, working at the front desk, part-time, um, and she's one of the students who credits her participation in the program with not only sort of like fostering and supporting her, her love of whales and marine biology and her pursuit of her career, um, but also in just giving her a place to call home. Um, and I talked to the student yesterday and she is so excited about an opportunity she has to apply for a summer program that'll give her a 10-week fellowship in Florida working with marine animals. And you know, I walked in the front door and the first thing she said to me was, Christina, can you look at this application? Can you help me fill it out? And she was just so excited um, to you know, go through that process and to have someone to sort of like share this exciting news with. And I was really excited for her too. <laughs> Christina, I wish our <laughs> listeners could see your face, both of you, <laughs> and the pride and excitement Tell me your story. How did you get involved in this work with you? Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that I ended up at the museum accidentally on purpose. <laughs> um, and I'd like to say that youth development work was kind of, you know, not my good. It just was what I did. Um, I grew up in a family where uh, my aunt was a child care or is a child care provider and has been since before I was born. Um, so I always was, was in an environment where she worked to support youth in various capacities. Um, my first year of college, I was at Boston University, and I remember running into a group of middle school students in the cafeteria um, and thinking, oh, these students remind me of being at home. Like, how can I get involved with whatever this group is? Um, and so I started working with a connection to college program that works with middle school students um, my first year in college and then ended up running in that by my second year in college and then working with Upward Bound through that time. And so everything that I've done, I think, centered on youth development. 
Um, and then I ended up at the museum. <laughs> I fell in love with whales. <laughs> um, living in Maui for two years. And I remember seeing my first whale sitting on the beach and being like, what is that thing in the water? And it was a giant humpback whale. And so I developed this really weird <laughs> love of whales. And then remembering seeing um, the opportunity to, to be at the museum in a youth development program. I was like, this is a weird combination of two things. It's like whales and youth development. Sign no, me up. Meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Meant exactly, to be. Exactly. One of the other things I wanted you to tell us a little bit about. So now you are part of a three year grant program to support young people after uh, they leave the program. It, it almost feels as if you're going to do that no matter what, with or without the grant program. Right. But tell us about that work and what you're really uh, focusing on. Well, we're very proud of our students graduating from high school. What we have noticed is that for a variety of reasons, things can fall apart when they're transitioning and um, working through college. So our our focus now is really to think about ways that the museum can continue to support students after they leave our formal program, our day-to-day -day program. And some of that is really simple, light touches like sending out care packages in the fall and inviting them to a not Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving alumni reunion. Um, but then others of them are more coordinated efforts. So the majority of our students go to Bridgewater State University, uh, Bristol Community College, and UMass Dartmouth. And so we've created cohorts of students there where they know each other from our program and they can support each other while at school. So if they fail a test or need to figure out how to pay for books or whatever might come up um, in the course of their time there. They have people they can reach out to that are on campus and available. In addition, Christina is doing a lot of coaching. Some of that happens naturally. Students call her and they need um, advice or help or uh, whatever, a friend to talk to. Mm -hmm. But also, Christina is proactive in texting and Facebook and all sorts of ways to reach out to students to make sure that we're staying in contact with them. Sometimes students feel like if they fail the test or they don't have enough money for books, that they failed and, and they almost expect that. We want them to know that that's a really common college um, experience and that you just work through it and work past it. And uh, we've been very effective in helping students realize that. What an amazing program. Well, I want to thank both of you for being with us. Sarah Rose, Vice President of Education and Programs, and Christina Turner, Director of Apprentices and Interns at the New Bedford Whaling Museum. Two more of our creative minds out loud. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.